What is up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. It is good to be with you. I really, really, really needed this break. So I, I appreciate you meeting me here and, and getting a little bit of a sip. Uh, busy time at work for me, a lot of, a lot of uh, long hours, tight deadlines, a lot to do. So I, I, you know, I really needed this mental break to get away from that and, and to chat with you and, and decompress a bit. Got a lot of interesting things over the past uh, week to discuss. The fir first things first, what I found very interesting was that little bit of a kerfuffle between Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci. It's, these two dudes have gone at it before, and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Um, this time in particular, Senator Paul really seemed to aggressively go after Dr. Fauci regarding his, you know, his previous testimony, in particular, laying out the case that the esteemed Dr. Fauci lied in his testimony to the Senate, particularly his testimony regarding the NIH funding of the gain-of-research function, gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab that went on. In previous testimony, Dr. Fauci has adamantly denied that that's what they did, and the, there are many emails and papers that clearly lay out that that is not the case. And Senator Paul is laying that bare for everyone to hear. I don't know that it's going to end well for Dr. Fauci. But again, with, with the present dementia in, in the House, unlikely that anything appropriate should happen to that dude. But they they were really going after it, and in particular, I, I really had to chuckle with the, when Doctor when President excuse me when Senator Paul was really pushing it at him and saying, "Listen, you lied, you lied," and how Doctor Fauci just changed on a dime and and he you know, wags his finger at him, you know, Senator, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it was hysterical. If you haven't seen it or heard it dial it up, you will get a, a pretty hearty chuckle out of it. But they seem to, it seems to be a little bit of a semantics argument, which, you know, surprise, surprise, all things government tend to come down to semantics and legal jargon and wording. But these, Dr. Fauci seems to be taking the, the stance that the funding that they offered was not not for this particular gain-of-function research that led to this particular COVID-19 uh, virus that was let out. And I'm not a I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, so I don't necessarily know what's the particulars of it. But it, it's definitely a semantic argument. Um, but clearly, from his his testimony before, he denied that he authorized any any funding, that it was through third parties. Well, he authorized the funding through the third parties and, and so on. And you know, in particular, at one point, you know, Senator Paul said that he's trying to trying to protect himself for, from the blame of the millions who have died from this, this virus. And that's really when his, his countenance changed. So I'll, I'll follow this closely. I love seeing that that scumbag squirm. I mean, he's just an absolute piece of crap. If you've been listening to me 
at all over the past uh, few months. You'll you'll know that, and I, it, the fact that he's repeatedly lied to the American people or has taken opposing positions on just about everything, every aspect of this pandemic. He just has zero credibility with me whatsoever. So it's fun to watch a U.S. senator tighten the screws around that uh, around that piece of garbage a bit. All right, speaking of pieces of garbage and and the the coronavirus, you know, last week we talked about you know, that Democrat contingent from Texas. I believe they're about fifty or so in protest of this voting rights uh, bill and in the state house in Texas to, to avoid quorums being able to be held for that bill. They, you know, like the heroes that they are, they fled the state and went to Washington DC and met with national Democrat leaders and, and, and fought the good, <clears throat> fought the good fight. Well, <clears throat> since that time, at least as of right now, six people from that Democrat contingent has tested positive for the coronavirus, and one of the main reasons that's so funny is the smiling pictures that they posted on social media with them in their private jet without masks. You know, you couldn't make this stuff up, and and lo and behold, these guys come down with it. And and, and likewise, you know, someone on on Nancy Pelosi's staff, and you know, they met with. Vice President heals up Harris, and she was whisked to Walter Reed to undergo testing. And as far as they've alleged, she is, has not tested positive. And it's just an absolute crack up in, to watch this happen. And and you, and you obviously cannot help but point out the hypocrisy, wondering what if this was the GOP, right? What if this was a Republican contingent who did this exact thing? And, and you can imagine you know, the super spreader and, and science deniers and wear a mask and anti-vax and just the ranting and raving that would have gone on would have been just wretch inducing. But of course, it's someone from their side of the aisle. So, you know, the, the media and social media is largely silent on these on these jag offs. But it's and I, for one, am having at least a little bit of a chuckle seeing seeing that happen. And uh, and just know that they, at least on some small level, are, are are getting some some just desserts. But as we twist and spin in the wind, as we're trying to come out of this ridiculous pandemic, you know, I I just my patience with it all is growing very very thin. You know, early on when so so much was unknown, I I get that we needed to pause and figure out what was going on because. You know, the CCP and their accomplices at the WHO, you know, sandbagged this thing for months. So we didn't really know what was going on. And, and now now that we have a firmer grasp on it, I just I just want to know what the end game is here. What are we trying to accomplish? You know, I mean, honestly, I, I that's not even really rhetorical. I, I really, really wonder what it is that we're trying to do. You know, what, in, I mean, in France... You know, they're pr- proposing more lockdowns. We're hearing that same type of thing here, of course, in blue states, you know, like here in Illinois. As as cases increase a little bit and as fears of this Delta variant is is are starting to spread, which interestingly enough, you know, as, as you know, has come from a variant from India and as it's ravaging that country, 
you know, the, contrary to the previous administration, uh, President uh, Dementia did not uh, have any uh, any bans or was slow to react for any travel to and from India. And, and now we're now everyone's worried about this this Delta variant, which again my eyes are rolling and I'm trying to avoid whiplash from it. But in France, they're they're proposing you know, you know stricter uh, you know measures, in particular mandatory vaccines, and there have been just mass protests against these mandatory vaccines. And you're seeing that all over. You know, I saw protests in the UK uh, against more these draconian uh, measures and and vaccine mandates, and you know, people around the world are just tired of it. They want their lives back. They want an end to this nonsense. It seems like every time there's a little bit of progress, these central uh, powers just tighten their grasp on power. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm so over it. In particular, I'm over them. And when I say them, I mean anybody in, in power or those in the media continually moving the goalposts with this thing to fit their agenda. You know, at first, the goal was we didn't want to overrun ERs. We didn't want to overrun hospitals. Totally get it. We didn't know what we were, we were dealing with. Thank you, Communist Party of China. Then it was we needed to slow the spread. Then it was we needed to develop and, and, and have people take a vaccine. And now it seems to be that the, the goal is just no more COVID ever, which... Uh, Again, it's it's not just the flu, but it is a flu, and it's not going away. It's just not. It's here. It's in the rotation. It's in the mix. It's going to mutate, and it's, it's going to be here for who knows. I, I but rather than trying to sp- spin our wheels and do something that's just not going to happen, and just have j- there just be no more COVID. Maybe we should spend our time figuring out that the you know treatments for this thing, sharpen up the vaccines. Actually, maybe spend some effort in getting these things approved by the FDA, and and manage the treatment, manage the vaccinations for it, and not think that somehow this thing is going to be gone. That we're gonna it's going to be smallpox. It's going to be uh, polio, and with a, with a little bit of a vaccine, it's gone. And no it is going to be in the ash heap of history. It's not going to be that. So just like anything, how can we not, why can't we just soldier on and know that this is just another thing that we have to deal with as, as mortal people and, and continue on with our lives. I don't understand this just sort of incessant power grab. It's, I mean, it, it it's, yeah, I, ah, I'm so done with it. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. And I just don't know why anybody at this point would trust these government bodies. Why are we going to trust people who have lied to us over and over and over again over the past year and a half? Why are we going to trust China? Why are we going to trust the WHO? Why are we going to trust Anthony Fauci and the CDC? At best, they've proven out to be incompetent. At worst, they're complicit in this thing. Screw those guys. Let's get past it. <laughs> let's just let put them in Azkaban and let's get <clears throat> back to normal, right? Let, let's let's have peace in the Wizarding World. Let, let's just let's just get past it. 
Speaking of getting past it, hopefully we can put to bed the 2020 election. And yeah, I think that was an absolute uh, cluster. It was predictable you know, with all the, the measures that were happening uh, this time last year. But there was some very interesting developments in the audit efforts in Arizona and Georgia that I think are worth mentioning. Now, keep in mind, none of this, in my mind, has risen to the point of concrete proof that there was fraud to the level that we can prove that this election was stolen, fraud to the level that that would overturn the result of the election. I'm not saying that at all. I've been saying ever since the election in November that there's a lot of lot of suspicious stuff going on, and I would think everybody would have their best interest in figuring out what, if anything, happened, and more importantly, going forward, making sure our elections are secure. I don't know why that's a debate. I don't know why that is a polarizing issue. It seems to be perfect sense, like at a bare minimum in a a democratic republic like ours, but from these audits that are going on, there have been um, several cases like of the thousands where the the auditors cannot match ballots with the corrected ballots. You know, there are thousands of ballots, and I think in Maricopa County in Arizona in particular, that lack the serial numbers where they can tie back to the original ballots and in some of these cases where these corrected ballots where you know somebody say instead of filling in the circle next to their candidates you know put in a check mark and so the corrected ballots would show the intent of the voter and and have you know the the ballot with the uh, circles filled in and and the and the serial number of the ballot on there so you can so you can audit that the corrected ballot is exactly what was intended by the voter. But there are thousands more of these of these corrected quote-unquote ballots that can't be tied back to their original ballot. Uh, there's thousands of these corrected ballots that are in, in these uh, remote ballots or um, mail-in ballots that don't have creases in them where they sh- you would expect to be sent through the mail. Uh, and it just makes me wonder, I mean, is this just the tip here? I mean, is, is there more, is there going to be more proof out there? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but this is, to be honest, this is more than I thought we would get going in to this. Uh, it, it's certainly worthwhile to figure out why it is. And again, I, I would imagine everybody on both sides of the aisle would want to make and guarantee that our our elections are valid, they are cheat-proof, and whether that means to enact uh, stricter voter registration laws where, where IDs need to be given and, and proof of, of residency and whatever, how that's not in effect already I, is beyond me. You know it's in effect in other democratic countries, but uh, I, I, w- I would think it's in all our interest to make sure that these these are secure and that we don't have to go through this nonsense like we did last year. But who knows? But at least up to this point, it's it's more more has come out from these audit efforts than I thought we would. So maybe there's more. Who knows? We'll see. But as of right now, doesn't change my mind. 
uh, one way or the other. Just thought it was interesting to note. See, uh, this past week I also saw, which I consider very troubling, how the White House has been showing, shown to overtly collude with partners in social media and telecom companies to counter messages that they feel shouldn't be promulgating out there. And I find this particularly very, very, very troubling. It seems to be the polar opposite of what was intended by the founding fathers when they established our constitution. Um, but they seem to be just hellbent on crafting messages and making people believe and accept their narrative and not question it whatsoever. Or anybody with a questioning and dissenting voice is absolutely shut up, shut down, and ostracized from, in, from society, and no one can hear their message. It's really, really bizarre. And what do I mean by that? Well, apparently, the White House has, is proactively flagging posts for Facebook that they find objectionable and that they want stricken from Facebook. I mean, this isn't something that's coming from Facebook, although they've done their fair share of that. So is Twitter and, and Instagram. But this is the opposite of that. I mean, and the, the, the flagging of, of all of that nonsense by social media, I find ridiculous in and of itself. But the fact that the executive branch of the federal government would monitor, proactively monitor a social media platform and flag things, send them to the, the company and this public company and suggest that they be stricken from that platform. I find that bizarre, borderline impeachable. It's just absolutely disgusting. Not surprising. I mean, we're ta talking about a very radical regime here. I mean, the, the modern Democrat Party is, is almost indiscernible from the Communist Party of China or anywhere else. So the fact that they would want to control message in this sort of de facto state media is very unsurprising. It's scary. And, and right now it may start very little and small with, just with Facebook. But, I mean, it would grow two state-run media channels and propaganda with, uh, on a national scale. It's absolutely crazy. And it just, I, I just wonder, who at this point, regardless of which side of any political argument you reside on, who trusts the government right now? Who trusts the federal government? Do you? I don't. Not in, not in any respect. I don't care who you like, who you're voting for. I don't trust anybody right now. I don't trust anybody to control messages or anything. The only one who I could trust to control message is you and me. <laughs> and that's about it. Everyone else can pound sand. They can go away. I trust you. I trust me. I don't want anyone else controlling our messages. But I know I don't trust the federal government. One example, case in point, you have no, look no further than this really scary and troubling BuzzFeed article I found regarding the plot, if you remember, to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer of, of Michigan. I, I forgot how many people they arrested in connection with this plot, but you know it was this sort of uh, MAGA clampdown. Everyone you know, patted their backs and government agencies on on this, and everyone decried uh, you know the the um, inciting of violence by President Trump and so on and so forth. Well, apparently the <coughs> 
the attorneys of those, some of those who were arrested for this plot to quote unquote kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, you know, allegedly, they are claiming that the FBI is actually the one who planted the idea and coordinated coordinated this plot and sort of duped all of these rubes to go on with it. I recommend you looking into that. I mean, this is BuzzFeed, not exactly the bastion of right-wing media, but they lay out this case and it is terrifying. It, 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 I, I, I don't, again, I, I don't know anybody who in the right mind would trust the government, much less the FBI, the CIA, anybody. I mean, the, the, these agencies can just destroy people at a whim. When, when you look at the details of what went on and where these, these ideas, I mean, they, they were not exactly interacting with the brightest bulbs in the drawer, but the ideas for this, for the plots, the, the means to, to try to make it happen and the planning and the training, it all came from FBI agents. It wasn't, if you read this report, it wasn't the coming from those who arrested. It was coming from these known, um, these known, uh, snitches or these known government assets that, that, uh, were involved in this sting. It's absolutely, absolute insanity. Um, terrifying you know, that that they could maybe maybe they just couldn't stand the fact that he had a bunch of people in trucks protesting the uh, the lockdowns in Michigan last year and this was their way to try to counteract that I don't know it's just it's scary it's scary what's bec what's becoming here and it's and it terrifies me for my kids and when as they get into adulthood what they have to look forward to and what what could happen to them just because it's 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 frightening and i mean it makes me glad that that i didn't grow up or wasn't a kid in you know right now and that we had a, even though grow grew up in the cold war and and had to had to ride bikes to our our friend's house to to get together with them and we didn't have cell phones and the internet uh, the fact that we didn't have to deal with all of this nonsense at that age, I, I could not be more grateful. But I don't, I don't, I don't trust the government. Doesn't seem like m many others do too. I don't know if, if you saw this uh, this poll that was done that apparently thirty five percent of Americans support secession in their particular region, and it's not exactly a polarizing uh, um, survey either. For example, 44% in the South support the, the southern region of the United States seceding from the country. Likewise, 39% in the Northwest support seceding from the country. Um, so I mean, you have people on opposite ends of the country, opposite ends of the political divide, but both supporting breaking this up and balkanizing the country. It's scary. Can you imagine? I mean, that—that's what that—that that magnitude of people support that. Ah, boy. Um, maybe no one else trusts the government either. So maybe that—that's a place to start, and we can do something about it. But I mean, it's going to have to be coming from you and me, right? It—it it can't come from the government. It can't come from the baby boomers. It can't come from the millennials or what have you. It has to come from us.
Now, last thing, uh, one thing that's been really bugging me over the past while is, is seeing how much people will make every, every, take every opportunity to make any story about themselves. I don't care if it's George Floyd, Jacob Blake, or any other story. Rather than simply having empathy for the people that this actually happened to, they make it about themselves. You know, Me Too movement or what have you. They turn it, say something that happened to someone they don't know, and make it about themselves. Now, what, what, why did this come to mind this past week? I think it was Saturday night. You know, the San Diego Padres were playing the Washington Nationals in Washington, D.C. And between, in the middle of the sixth inning, I think it was after the top of the sixth going into the bottom of the sixth, there were several gunshots that that rang out just outside of the of the ballpark. And apparently, uh, three people were shot at, two were shot. I don't believe at this point anybody was actually killed, um, but there were a couple of shots, you know, across the street from from Nationals Park. Now, I've never been to Washington D.C. I've never been to Nationals Park, so I'm not familiar with the area. But it wasn't, from what I understand, it wasn't right outside the ballpark. It wasn't anybody who who was attending the ball the the game and it wasn't anything associated with the game it just happened to be nearby well as it it became quickly known that there were these shots fired outside of the ballpark of course you wouldn't you, you would fear for 30,000 plus people at, at some point leaving the ballpark and in you know to, to the shooting scene but I mean, there were still a couple innings more to go of the game, but you know they announced that the game would be suspended, and then it was just this chaos inside the ballpark. You had people running for cover. You had players escorting, you know, their family and people in the stands into the clubhouses for protection. And not there, there it wasn't an active shooter within the ballpark. It wasn't an active shooter in the stands, but they were acting as though snipers were shooting down on the crowd, and it's. Just, Again, I understand the urgency. I understand being careful. I understand pausing the game and getting people to a safe place. I get it. But the panic that happened as though this thing independent of everybody else across the street was happening personally to them. It was crazy to me. It's, it, there's, you can't convince me that that made things better. Um, but it, I mean, right now our culture is about making everything about yourself. Further example, I saw that you know Prince Harry is scheduled to release a quote-unquote tell-all memoir next week or next year. This coming month, just a few months after, he and his wife Meghan Markle, Markle, whatever, have asked for privacy as they retreat from royal life. The same couple who, in asking for privacy, go on Oprah and air their dirty laundry and look for gigs for Megan with Disney and in Netflix and so on. I mean, these narcissists that just want to lob these pot shots but, but ask for privacy, but they want the adulation and the attention. Again, it's not about you. I mean, these, these shysters are it just, it's so gross. It's so gross. And, and meanwhile, you know, we, you know, I saw that over the past year, drug overdose deaths were up 30% in 2020, driven largely by you know, synthetic opioids from fentanyl, 
and isolation and stress from the pandemic. But here we are talking about Megan and Harry and this tell-all memoir. Uh, We're talking about mask mandates and shutting things down. Drug overdose deaths, and that's not not to mention any other form of suicide or depression or whatever. That's where we are, and we're cool with that. I just, yeah, I I just don't understand it. Stop moving the goalposts. Stop changing the game. Let's let's get back to running our country. Let's secure our elections. Let's leave the media and social media out of this, and let's as Gen Xers try to retake our culture and try to leave something passable for our kids there i did it i said it and i have had my break and it was it felt really good so with that i'm gonna take a sip of my water i'm gonna get back to the grind and i will see you next time until then shout out to the 1984 u.s olympic team and i will see you later stay cool jennings 